This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. We're going to travel through time tonight. You know, at the turn of the century, people couldn't imagine the technological advances that the world would undergo in a few short years. Landing on the moon seemed to be an impossible event to ever happen, yet it did. The ability for people like Elon Musk to develop SpaceX and the development of rocket ships that could not only be reused, but be able to land safely with the nose pointed skyward, ready for another launch skyward. Well, with these things taken into account... Our tale doesn't seem so far-fetched, does it? Here's the premise. Twenty years after the war on Earth drove men to live on Mars, three of them are heading back to see if living there is possible again. This episode, by the way, was first aired in 1951. Adventures in Time and Space Told in Future Tense Dimension National Broadcasting Company, in cooperation with Street and Smith, publishers of astounding science fiction, bring you Dimension X. Twenty years had passed since the last of the giant migration ships had crashed to the surface of Mars, bearing its pitiful handful of survivors of the Earth Wars. Twenty years of scratching at the stubborn Martian soil. Twenty years of longing, of turning eyes toward the green earth as it hung on the horizon like a beckoning light. And now it was done, and the first new ship, built of shining Martian chromaton, had lifted bravely toward home with three men locked in its metal belly. Would they return to an earth made barren by cosmic dust, to a blackened radioactive hell? Or would they find intelligence still alive on the scourged planet? What had 20 years of death and radioactivity done to our beloved Earth? That's it, Captain. We've intersected the course vector. Williams. Yes, sir? Prepare for deceleration. Forward fission ready, Captain. Read us off, Athens. We'll enter the gravitational field of the Earth in exactly 10 seconds. 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4... Three. Fire two and four. One. Two and four. What's our momentum, Evans? Negative three. Fire one. One. Negative four now. Steady as she goes. How are we? On parabola now. If we can hold, we should breach the heavy side layer somewhere north of what used to be Mamansk. Let's have a look at her. Visor, please. Yes, sir. Mother Earth. Twenty years. We're going home, Evans. 
We're going home. Home to what, Captain? Home to a burned-out, radioactive planet that is incapable of supporting human life? Evans and I don't agree with that, Williams. We think the Earth is ready for us again. That she'll give us another chance. I'm sorry, Captain, but I was born and brought up on Mars under the new central government. We younger men disagree with you about migrating back to Earth. For us, Mars is home. Well, we'll see. If there is some form of life on Earth, we'll find out soon enough. Williams, head for New York. There it is, Captain. You can barely see the top of the Atomic Trades Building in the twilight. They never finished building it. Dark as a tomb. Slow to cruising speed. Cruising speed. It begins to look as if Williams is right, Captain. Not a sign of life on four continents. Well, we'll make a radiation check and then head back for Mars. You agree with me, gentlemen? That for all practical purposes, the planet is dead? It's still my captain. What is it? Am I going out of my mind? Look out that way to the west. Could that be? By heaven, it is. Those are lights. Turn the ship. Heading west, southwest. Full speed. Full speed. They are lights. Captain, it's a city, a whole blasted city lit up like a Christmas tree. Well, what do you think of your dead planet now, Williams? We shall see, Evans. Remember, the commission wants evidence of life as we know it. Decelerator negative five. We're going to take her down. There's an open area just on the edge of the city. Yes, sir. Hold on, gentlemen. We're about to land. Landing jacks are down, sir. Open the airlock. Close. All right, gentlemen. Before we go out, security at all times. Williams, you have the blast gun? I have it. If anyone becomes separated, fire a shot and make for the ship. How's the radiation, Evans? Safe enough so far. This seems to be a light area. Very well. Open the lock. Someone. How do you explain the lights? I don't know. Municipal building. Shall we have a look here, sir? Possibly the records might contain some clue. Good idea. Keep your weapons ready. <laughs> this door is in good working order. Almost as if it had been oiled recently. Long corridor. Lights blazing in every office. William, stand to watch here in the corridor. Fire a blast if you need us. Yes, sir. Evans, you come with me. We'll start right here with the city clerk's office. Uh, better check radiation again. Not enough to do any damage. Gives you the creeps, doesn't it? Look at this desk. Papers crumpled, inkstand. Just as if somebody came in and worked here every day. Calendar. June 18th, 1987. Why, that's the day of the evacuation. The dust cloud had already blanketed New York and was heading west. 
dog license. Something perfect. Somehow I have a peculiar feeling that... Good Lord. Pick it up, Evans. Hello? No answer. Hello? I hear something. A scratching sort of noise. Good day, Doctor. What? How are you? I called to ask some advice about a trepanning problem. Can you tell me if the lateral cut should be made first? Hello? Hello? This is absolutely Thank insane. You, Hello? Doctor. I'll do that. By the way, how is your wife, Alice? And the girls? And your son, John? Fine boy, John. I'll call again tomorrow. Goodbye, Doctor. Hello? Hello? It's gone dead. Who was it? I don't know. A strange voice carried on a conversation about some surgical operation without paying the slightest attention to anything I said. Captain, the lights are out. Good Lord. Captain! Captain! I have a torch. Come on. Williams, what is it? I don't know. You fired a shot. Yes, sir. Just as the lights went out, I... I'm sure I saw a figure. It looked like an old man in a white robe. It moved across the end of the corridor down that way. Flash your torch down there, Evans. Nothing there. Are you certain, Williams? I'm not certain. The lights. They're on again. We're going to get to the bottom of this. Wait, wait. What? Listen. Quietly. Someone is coming, walking slowly toward the corridor. Coming closer. Cover him when he turns the corner. It'll be a pleasure. Don't fire unless I give the word. Shh. What? (gasps) Jumping Jupiter. Are you... Is it really someone or... Am I having hallucinations? We are no vision. No. No, you seem to be real. I saw the ship come down. I I thought perhaps I was losing my mind. It's it's been so many years. I'm Captain John Parsons. These are my assistants, Dr. Evans and Mr. Williams. We've returned to Earth from Mars. Then it's happened. We're not alone anymore. Forgive me, gentlemen. I, I seem moved. I, I, I waited and hoped for so long. You survived the radiation? We, we did. There are others? My family were the only ones. I answered the phone a moment ago. Who was it? You heard my voice, Doctor. Your voice? To break the loneliness, I've recorded my voice and rigged up an automatic telephone. It's pleasant to hear the phone ring... <laughs> I I come here to do my work. I take it you're a medical man. My name's Cornelius Hathaway. Hathaway? Hathaway the brain surgeon? You know my name. Who doesn't? I watched you on television at college. I saw you 20, 23 years ago. You performed a difficult surgery for a cerebral tumor. Marvelous. Thank you. I'd almost forgotten. My, My mind, you see, I'm... I'm almost 80 now. You look fine, sir. Well, we've had the best of everything. An entire city to choose from. Coal storage, the best equipment. But come, when I saw your ship, I told Alice, my my wife, you know, to prepare a feast. This is a great day for me, gentlemen. A great, great day. (laughs) 
This is my wife, gentlemen. Alice, this is Captain Parsons, Dr. Evans, and Mr. Williams. I'll do, Mrs. Do. Now, if you'll follow me, gentlemen, we'll, we'll meet my children. Lord, what a beautiful woman. She looks no more than 35. These are my daughters, Susan and Marguerite. This is my son, John. How oh, are you, gentlemen? Sit down, gentlemen, sit down. <laughs> we'll have a feast in honor of this occasion. Susan, Marguerite, get the best silverware and the damask napkins. Uh, John, fetch the glasses. Oh, yes, Father. It'll only Excuse take... Excuse me, John. Sir? Just, how old are you? Uh, 23, sir. Thank you. Now, if you'll excuse me. What is it, Captain? Something wrong? Nothing except that it's impossible. You see, Dr. Hathaway's son was already in college when I started. That would make him at least 45. That was a wonderful meal, Mrs. Hathaway. Doctor, your wife is an exceptional woman. <laughs> Thank you, sir. How would you gentlemen like some fresh gingerbread with your coffee? I baked it this morning. Oh, wonderful. Smell that, Evans? Oh, it's like coming home, Mrs. Hathaway. <laughs> we enjoy having you here. Mrs. Hathaway, may I compliment you on your having preserved your youth and beauty so well? Thank you. We have had no worries here. No competition. Only the things we need for material comfort. Uh, Parsons and I were wondering, Dr. Hathaway, if the radioactivity had any effect in preserving tissue. Your children all look so young, too. It, uh, it is possible, gentlemen, of course. Uh, radiation does strange things to living tissue. Uh, Alice, could we have some champagne? Of course. I'll only be a moment. An amazing woman. Did you ever see such grace? Such complete relaxation. It doesn't seem quite natural. I, I beg your pardon, gentlemen? Uh, Captain Parsons was just about to ask how you and your family managed to escape, Dr. Hathaway. You were very fortunate. I was working in the Sierra Mountains at the time. I had a lead-lined laboratory where I did X-ray research on my pet project. And what is that, sir? The study of machines as they relate to human function and the corollary of... Co well, to continue, when the dust cloud covered America, we remained in the laboratory, well supplied with food and water. Later, when the radiation permitted, we made our way east, back to our old home, in the hopes of finding other survivors. But by that time, every living creature had been evacuated to Mars. We were stranded. The migration ships didn't wait for stragglers. That's true. My father and I were on the last rocket out of New York. I've always loved this old house. But the loneliness of those first years... At least you had your wife and children. Yes. Yes, I had my family. If it were not for them, gentlemen, I assure you, I would long ago have put a bullet in my head. Here we are. <sighs> Champagne, Captain. Oh, thank you, Mrs. Hathaway. Uh, may... May I propose a toast? Oh, let me... Gentlemen... To Earth. To Earth. Earth. May she never be a stranger to man again. Hathaway, what is it? Uh, nothing really. It's just a rather sharp pain in the chest. I think you should lie no. down, Doctor. No. Yes. Well, perhaps you're right. Let me help you. No, no, no. John and Susan will help. Of course, Father. Why, why don't you gentlemen go out on the porch, enjoy the air? I'll, I'll see you all in the morning. Good night, Doctor. Good night. Come, John. Yes, Father. 
you think of old Mother Earth now, Williams? Smell that summer breeze. Look at that view of the city lighted up against the sky. It has a certain quality. Well, score one point for the back-to-earth proponents. <laughs> I didn't say that. You're beginning to feel it, though, Williams. I can tell. If you don't mind, gentlemen, I'm quite tired. I think I'll turn in. Excuse me. Well, Captain? Well, what? What do you make of all this? I don't know what you mean. This Hathaway and his family. There's something strange and unnatural going on here. I can sense it. I think you're reading things into it, Evans. Oh, perhaps. Well, I'll turn in, too. Are you coming? In a moment, I want to smoke a cigarette. Beautiful view. <gasps> what? Is it not? I didn't hear you come out. How is he? Resting. I've never seen him this bad. Yes, he's an old man. <laughs> I'm sorry, but the difference in your ages is so apparent. You must have been married very young. My husband is a very great man, Captain. It's too bad there was no one to appreciate him. Once, he wired the whole city with sound speakers, and when he pressed a button, the whole town lit up and made noises, as if 10,000 people were living in it. He must have been very lonesome for people. Although with a woman such as you, I don't understand. Perhaps one day you will understand. Good night, Captain. Good night, Mrs. Hathaway. Captain. Captain Parsons. Huh? Who's there? It's Dr. Evans. What time is it? 2 a.m. What's wrong? I couldn't sleep. A few minutes ago, I heard someone slip out the front door. The moonlight, I saw it was the old man. He was headed toward our ship. What are you suggesting, Evans? Nothing, except that it's fairly unnatural for an old man with a bad heart to go wandering off at 2 in the morning. Very well. We'll follow him. See him yet? No. Look. Ahead there on the hillside. Isn't that Hathaway kneeling in the moonlight? Yes, I think so. Can we get closer? Let's head for that clump of bushes. <laughs> this is far enough. What do you suppose he's doing there? What are those things on the ground? Good Lord. Those are grave markers. Four of them. You're right. Seems to be praying over them. Listen. Do you forgive me for what I've done? I had to do it. I was so terribly lonely. You, you, you do forgive me, don't you? Yes, I... I feel you do. I'm glad. I think perhaps I can... rest now. I think I... He's having another attack. Come on. Hathaway! Dr. Hathaway. Uh, raise his head, Evans. His lips are moving. What is it, Doctor? Lean closer. I... I'm sorry I had to spoil all of this. I've, I've expected it for some time. We'll fix you up. No. No, this is the end for me. It really doesn't matter. Except for them. What about them, Hathaway? You... You suspected, didn't you? Yes, I suspected, but I couldn't believe it until now. Do they know? No. 
no, they wouldn't understand. I, I, I wouldn't want them to know ever. The earth. The earth. Don't try to talk. The earth is so fair. Doctor. He's dead, Captain. He knew it was the end this time. Yes, he knew. What was it he meant about your suspect? Light a match, Evans. Look on those four grave markers and tell me what you see. Good Lord. Well? Alice Hathaway. Marguerite Hathaway. Susan Hathaway. John Hathaway. Died July 1987. But that's 20 years ago. If these markers are correct, then who are those others? Can't you guess, Evans? Can't you guess? Mrs. Hathaway, are you awake? Yes, Captain. May I come in? Yes. It's about my husband, isn't it? You knew... I saw him go out tonight. He felt it was near the end. He died less than an hour ago. I'm sorry. Thank you. How do you feel? He told us it would happen one day and that he didn't want us to cry. He didn't teach us how, you know. He said it was the worst thing that could happen to know how to be lonely and unhappy. What will happen to us now that he's gone? I don't know. Will you stay with us? I would like to, but I cannot. You know about us. Yes, I know. I didn't think that you knew yourself. The children don't. I've been aware for a long while. No one would have guessed. You're so perfect. Oh, he would have liked to hear you say that. He was so very proud of us. After a while, he came to love us. And at the end, he took us as his real wife and children. He even forgot sometimes that he had made us. You gave him a great deal of comfort. Yes. Over the years, we sat and talked. He loved so much to talk. I was first, you know. Then he became lonesome for the children. And so he made them. He told me about the things he did, about his laboratory. Oh, surely the children must suspect. Oh, no. You see... There were no other beings with which to compare themselves. He must have been a great, great genius. Each morning he took a recording of his voice into town and put it on the automatic telephone. Each night it would call us. I think, what with the phone ringing and the sound of voices and the lights on, he was happy. There was only one thing. One flaw. And that? He couldn't make us grow old. And so he had to watch himself become an old, old man while we stayed young. It was a great blow to him. And so we commend the body of this man... Cornelius Hathaway to his maker. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust returneth. Amen.
come, John. Yes, Mother. Susan, Martin. Evans, Williams, stay here a moment, please. What is it? Let them go back to the house. I want to speak to you. I know what you're going to tell us, Captain. I saw the names on the grave markers. Well? It's a mockery. A blasphemy of everything we believe in. For a man to do something so evil. Can't you imagine what he faced? Can't you imagine what it must have been like to have watched his wife and children die slowly of radiation burns? To know that he was the last man on the face of the earth? Alone? Eternally and unalterably alone? Good Lord, man, what would you have done if you'd had his, his medical and technical genius? That's incredible. Yes, it is. But with an entire American city on which to draw for supplies and equipment, a brilliant man might accomplish anything, even that. What are you suggesting, Captain? That we take them back? We haven't enough space in the ship for that. Every ounce counts. Still, to leave them here, like that, alone... I think I have an answer, cold-blooded as it may seem. Go on. I suggest that we turn them off. Do you think that I could do that? No, but I could. After all, they aren't human. They're worse than robots. They're ghoulish. Have you talked to her? Has she smiled at you with that quiet, beautiful smile? Captain, we can't take them with us, and it would be less than human to leave them here without Hathaway. Could you do it, Evans? Give me the blast gun, Williams. We'll wait on the ship. Take off in half an hour. Half an hour. Six twenty-five. He should be back soon. Yes. He's doing the only humane thing, Captain. They are less than human. Are they? Well, it's done now, and no one will ever. That's the airlock. He's back. Well, here's your gun. Did you do it? When I entered the house. She looked at me with those fine, intelligent eyes. I couldn't do it. It would be murder, cold-blooded murder. I prayed you wouldn't be able to do it. There will never be anything as fine as they are. Built to last 200, 300, perhaps a thousand years. Well, get the course in the integrator, Williams. We'll take off in 20 minutes. I should be back by then. You're going out, sir? I'm going to say goodbye. Come back. Only to say goodbye. It was nice of you. I wanted you to know that I am coming back someday. When will you come? I don't know. It will take many years to prepare fuel for another trip. Six, seven, perhaps ten years. I will watch the sky at night, just as he watched it. Oh. I'm afraid I must go now. I understand. Strange. I have a new feeling. One which he did not teach us. A feeling of 
longing of sadness. And that one is not taught. It comes of being alive. Yes. I am alive. Even though he created me, I'm a person now. Goodbye, Alice Hathaway. Goodbye, John Parsons. just heard another adventure into the unknown world of the future. The world of... Dimension X. When the time comes for man to explore the universe, to deal with the strange inhabitants of other worlds, there will be much to remember. Perhaps the most important lesson of all will seem too fundamental to be included in the training manuals. Listen at this time next week as Dimension X brings you a story from the pages of the August astounding science fiction. A story called Courtesy. Dimension X is presented each week by the National Broadcasting Company in cooperation with Screet and Smith, publishers of the magazine Astounding Science Fiction. Today, Dimension X has presented Dwellers in Silence, written for radio by George Lefferts from the story by Ray Bradbury. Featured in the cast were Peter Capel as Captain Parsons, Bill Griffiths as Dr. Hathaway, and Gertrude Warner as Alice. Your host was Norman Rose, music by Albert Berman. Dimension X is produced by William Welch and directed by Fred Way. Stay tuned for My Friend Irma, next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for My Friend Irma and a program first broadcast in 1948. Irma, honey. Yes, Jane? This magazine says that scientists in Arizona have just found the footprints of a prehistoric animal two million years old. What do you think of that? Well, I think they're silly if they try to track it down. I'm sure it's dead. <laughs> well, that's what you can expect when you listen to My Friend Irma. Friendship, friendship, just a perfect friendship When other friendships have been forgot Theirs will still be hot Lever Brothers Company, makers of Swan The soap with the exclusive super-creamed blend presents Our friend Swan With my friend Irma Starring Marie Wilson as Irma and Kathy Lewis as Jane is a very important night for me. I'm anxious to be bright and gay, and I want to look my best. The reason? I met a new fellow. I really kind of like him. So I decided to discuss it with my roommate, Irma. Irma? Yes, Jane? I know this may shock you, honey, but I have a date tonight, and it's not with Richard. Not with Richard? 
Oh, Jen, you're going to get a reputation for being footloose. Of course, if you want to go around with loose feet. <laughs> oh, Irma, stop being a Puritan. This is 1948. How long can a girl wait for a man? I'm getting older. So what? You know what they say, Jane. Wine improves with age. I know. If you wait long enough, it can turn into vinegar. <laughs> Personally, I think Rich is just wonderful. But he doesn't seem to be getting any more serious. The sound of those wedding bells seems to be growing fainter. Well, that's one problem I haven't got, Jane. I hear bells in my head all the time. <laughs> but, Jane, uh, who's your new fellow? Oh, his name's Peter Guilford. Irma, he's nothing short of sensational. Oh, just like my Al, he's a sensational nothing, too. <laughs> you can say that again, but I wish you wouldn't because the subject bores me. Oh, Jane, what does your new fellow Peter Guilford do? Well, I don't know too much about him, honey, because I just met him. But I know he has an important job with the government. He, uh, he mentioned something about being in charge of financial distribution. Well, Jane, even though you met another fella, I still think you love Richard. Now, tell me the truth. Well, I don't really know, sweetie. Sometimes I'm not sure that I was ever truly in love with Richard. Well, that's where Al and I are different. We know we're in love. Otherwise, why would I get all confused and dizzy? <laughs> well, honey, the answer to a question like that has many ramifications. Anyway, I just can't wait until my date tonight with Peter Guilford. You know, I'm really excited about him. <laughs> Come in. It's only me, Professor Kropotkin. <laughs> Hello, Janie and Irma, my two little crystal gazers. One with all the answers, the other still in a trance. <laughs> Excuse me for intruding, girls. I just came down to tell you the good news. I made up with Mrs. O'Reilly. Oh, wonderful, Professor. That's what we like to hear. How long could I stay mad at a woman who has such a wonderful heart? Imagine last night she baked me a seven-layer cake. Just what I needed. Oh, that's nice. It will make a perfect footrest. Well, like I am. Oh, gee, this is a day for romance. You and Miss O'Reilly and, and Jane has a new boyfriend. Janie, is that right? What happened with Richard? Nothing. It's just that Richard's been stalling, and I've decided not to put all my eggs in one basket. Oh, you're smart, Jane. When they cost almost a dollar a dozen, you have to be careful. <laughs> Being careful is what I want to talk to you about, Jane. A person in choosing a mate must never be too particular. You know, I remember when I started courting girls. One I didn't like because she was mean, another was jealous, another was stingy, another was naggy. So gradually I became an expert, and I wound up marrying a woman who was a combination of all of them. Well, Irma's jumping to conclusions, Professor. I'm not marrying Peter Guilford. I'm merely having dinner with him. But it's something to keep in mind, Janie. Why do you think I've gotten romantical thoughts about Mrs. O'Reilly? I'll tell you. All my life, women I've known have run around with other fellows. But Mrs. O'Reilly, her I could leave on an island with a boatload of shipwrecked sailors, and she wouldn't get kissed if a mistletoe tree fell on her. <laughs> and that's what a man likes, peace of mind. Oh, Professor, uh, do you know that Jane's new boyfriend, Peter Guilford, has a very important job with the government? Oh, really, Janie? What does he do? Well, he, he told me he was in charge of financial distribution. 
Oh, that already is a big job. Huh. And, Janie, I hope it works out well for you. Thank you. Well, girls, I got to go now. Since I'm taking Mrs. O'Reilly out, I think I'll run down to the corner and buy her a corsage. A bunch of celery. <laughs> oh, Professor, you can't smell celery. I got news for you. You can't eat daisies either. <laughs> Goodbye. Hello? Hiya, chicken. Hello, Al, honey. Where are you? In a telephone booth down at the unemployment office. Gonna be a little late, chicken. The guy who gives out the check seems to be all thumbs today. Well, he should make you wait. After all, you're one of their best customers. <laughs> yeah, I know. Would make a complaint, but don't want him to think I'm trying to take his job away from him. Why not? He might give it to me. <laughs> hey, hold it, chicken. The line's starting to move. We'll see you soon. Goodbye, Al. Bye, chicken. Oh, made it. Boy, this gripes me. Still have to stand in line. You'd think a guy who's been coming here this long and have seniority. Uh, it's the fault of the guy who distributes the checks, that Peter Guilford. There's a real bum for you. Boy, I hate him. Oh, hiya, Pete. <laughs> How's tricks? Oh, it's you, Al. Did you look for a job this week? Uh, uh, no, I couldn't. You, you see, um, my grandmother died. She died last week. <laughs> she rallied. <laughs> I knew you'd have an answer. You always do. Here's your check. Ah, oh, thanks, Pete. See you next week, kid. That Peter Guilford. I hate that bum. Irma, honey, will you hand me my nail polish? I want to look my best for Peter Guilford tonight. All right, Jane. Come in. Oh, hello, Mrs. O'Reilly. Oh, my, you're all dressed up. Thank you, dear. The professor and I are going out tonight. And I was wondering if you could lend me a pair of dark glasses. Dark glasses? Yes, the wind blew me eyelashes off the windowsill. <laughs> I, I wouldn't want him to see me without them. You know the way he kids about me false teeth and me artificial fingernails and me bleach transformation. He says if we ever cross the border, the customs man will be checking my parts Five days after we've gone. <laughs> oh, he's a great kidder. It's me again, girls, and Mrs. O'Reilly. Oh, what a beautiful day it is. I was just out taking a walk. Oh, Professor, don't move. There are two caterpillars on your shoulder. Caterpillars? Glory be, those are me eyelashes. As <laughs> I should have known. You know, Mrs. O'Reilly, if this building ever caught fire and you jumped out of the window, the fireman wouldn't know which part to catch first. <laughs> oh, hush, Professor. Tell me, Janie, darling, how's Richard? I see you're wearing a new dress. Going somewhere special with him? Well, before Irma gets a chance to distort the news, I'll tell it to you. I'm dating a new beau tonight. Oh. Yes, and he's a very important man who works for the government. Well, you know what's best for you, Janie. I only hope it'll bring you happiness. After all, the most important thing in life is love. Now, take me. All right. I'll admit I'm not a spring chicken. I'm 39. <laughs> but I'm going out with the professor tonight. Mrs. O'Reilly, you are 39. Then let me ask you a question. Why is it the moment the music starts, you automatically go into a minuet? <laughs> That's the reason I love to go out with you, Professor. I like to go out with you, too. But 
But to help me, I can't think of a reason. <laughs> well, goodbye, girls. We'll be running along now. <laughs> goodbye. And Janie, have a good time tonight with your new boyfriend. Thanks, Professor. Irma, you know, I want to make a good impression tonight, so I think I'll buy a new hat. I won't be long. If Richard calls, remember, you don't know where I am. All right, Jane. Come in. Hello, Jane. Hiya, chicken. Hi, Al. Hello, Al, honey. Oh, the humiliation of that unemployment office. I won't have to put up with that stuff much longer. Got a deal that'll put me on easy street. <laughs> yeah, I know. You're gonna glue corn silk on old sweaters and sell them for fur jackets. <laughs> no, that's not the deal, but like yours better. <laughs> Sorry, Al, I've already patented it with the insane asylum. Well, I'll be back as soon as I find a hat, honey. Goodbye, all. Hmm. Disparaging day. Never gonna amount to nothing. Oh, don't say that about Jane, Al. She has a date for dinner tonight with a new boyfriend. Oh? She gave Richard the old heave-ho? Well, Richard has been stalling. You know, a girl gets impatient waiting for a man to accept her proposal. <laughs> Chicken, you ain't hinting about you and I. No, Al, but now that you mention it, I think it's about time we get married. I want to have children while I'm young, while I still know what more than they do. <laughs> Chicken, you can't get married on a shoestring. Besides, I want you to have a nice home, beautiful furniture, a maid, and, and a car of your own. Oh, Al, a car of my own? Well, certainly. You think after we're married, I'm going to let you walk to work? <laughs> oh, but Al, I get so tired of waiting for that day. Oh, now, Chicken, you've got to be patient till one of my deals comes through. Oh, Al, if you could only get a good job like Jane's new boyfriend has, we could get married right away. Yeah, what does this guy do? Oh, he's with the government in charge of financial distribution. Financial distribution. Sounds important. Chicken, me meeting a guy like that might change our whole future. How? I'm working on a plan. No, all our dreams will come true. Oh, Al, I have so much confidence in you. Uh, let me give you a big kiss for luck. Okay, chicken. <laughs> hey, chicken, what's the idea of making those cross eyes when I kissed you? Well, I wanted to see on which side of my nose your nose goes when you kiss me. <laughs> which side? Neither. <laughs> we meet bumper to bumper. <laughs> well, I've been shopping for a hat. I've tried off-the-face hats, on-the-face hats, low-brims, high-brims, no-brims, no-hat, just brim. <laughs> However, I saw one that I thought was adorable. Three roses sewed on a ribbon. $95. <laughs> I wouldn't spend that much for three roses if I just finished a quarter four roses. <laughs> so, I decided to just forget the hats. Let my personality work for me tonight. Hello, honey. Hi, Jane. Did you get a hat? No, I didn't, honey. Not that I care, but uh, did Richard call? No. Oh, well, who cares? Just as well. Oh, yes. Well, I, I don't care. Were you here all the time? Yes. Well, if he does call, tell him I'm not here. All right, Jane. Never mind. I'll tell him. 
Hello. Hello, Jane. Oh. Oh, it's you, Richard. Jane, I have good news for you. I'm taking you out tonight. I've got news for you. I've already got a date. Oh, you have? Yes, I have. Well, that's nice. Uh, enjoy yourself. I certainly will. Good night, Jane. Richard? Richard? Uh, Richard? Well, how do you like that? He's not even angry. Well, Jane, do you care? Of course I don't care. He means nothing to me. Nothing at all. Jane, you just tore your handkerchief. <laughs> well, I like it that way. After all, two handkerchiefs are better than one. <laughs> oh, leave me alone, will you? All men are dogs. Come in. Hiya, chicken. Hello, Prince, honey. <laughs> we were just talking about you. Oh, something good, I hope. Because, uh, Jane, I got something to ask you, and I, I don't know exactly how to begin. Well, leave out the words, may I borrow, and just take it from there. <laughs> uh, don't need money, Jane. It, it is my belief that a guy only gets places through contacts, people he meets. Yeah, that, that's partially true. Yeah. Now, when you first introduced me to Richard, I thought he could do me some good. But uh, through some slip in the conversation, he found out I was a bum. <laughs> now, Jane, you got a new guy, and I want him to think well of me. I mean... You mean in case he can do you some good. Well, contacts are vital, Jane. Now, wait, Al. I've just met Peter. It's our very first date. I haven't even been out with him yet. I know he has an important position with the government, but, but I can't ask him to waste his time helping out the unemployed. But, Jane, I'm not asking for myself. It's for Chicken. I want to marry her. But first, first I want to make a man out of myself. Oh, Al, don't change too much. <laughs> Hold it, Chicken. Look, Jane, your new guy is with the government, and they got lots of jobs open. There's, there's diplomatic work, there's reclamation projects. Well, I might get a job with the TVA. No, Al, I don't want you to fly. Chicken, TVA is a dam. I don't want you to swear either. What do you say, Jane? I'd get down on my knees and beg you, but this suit won't take it. What do you say we all go to dinner together? Well, gee, Al, I'd like to help you make new contacts if I could, but I can't impose on a strange man and, and an important man on our very first date. I'm not asking for charity. The treat's on me. We'll pick up the check to impress this guy. Part of the scheme. Oh, Al, I just can't do it. Oh, Jane, it's for our children. <laughs> I can't even do it for your children, and believe me, I'm crazy about them. <laughs> Yes, this is Jane Stacy. Oh, hello, Peter. Uh, how nice of you to call. Please, Jane. Try it. We'll pay all expenses. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 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 Peter, I, I hope you don't mind, but I have a rather unusual request to make. You see, I live with a girl, Irma Peterson, and her boyfriend is in town, and they would like us to be their guests at dinner. Uh, what's that? You accept? Now, now you sure you don't mind? Oh, that's fine. We'll meet you here for cocktails. Yeah, same time. Wonderful. Goodbye. What do you know? He didn't object. He even seemed eager. Hey, you see? The rich like a handout, too. <laughs> Don't be ridiculous, Al. He probably has more money at his fingertips than the government itself. Now, remember, Al, you said you'd pay for this dinner. It's all on you, and I want to go to a very nice place. We'll handle everything. After all, I'm trying to make an impression, too. Must spend money to get money. 
Oh, Jane, you're really a wonderful friend. And believe me, Al and I will never forget this. And after we get married, we'll name our first baby after you. That is, if it's a girl. <laughs> if it's a boy, we'll name him Jim, but we'll spell it Jane. <laughs> well, now that I've committed myself to cocktails I guess I better run out and get some more d'oeuvres Fine, Jane And after cocktails, the entire evening is on me It had better be I'm loaded Oh, Al, it's working out wonderfully Where will we go for dinner? That's not important What is important is Where am I going to get the money to pay for it? <laughs> oh, but Al, didn't you get your unemployment check today? Yeah, but uh, made some bad business investments, chicken Ran into the crummiest slot machines I have ever seen. I have seen more lemons today than the whole state of California. Oh, but Al Jane and her boyfriend are going uh, as your guest. What are you going to do? Chicken, when you're in a spot like this, there's only one man who can help you. Who, Al? Who else but... Hello, Joe. <laughs> Al, got a problem. Need 50 bucks immediately. What do you suggest? Uh-huh. 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 Mm-hmm. Play bingo. But, Joe, how do you win 50 bucks playing bingo? Or the way you play it at Surefire? Stand in a dark alley with a club? <laughs> Wait for a guy to walk past and bingo, you've got the money? <laughs> oh, no, Joe. No, must be legitimate. In that case, you cannot be of service to me. Gotcha. Goodbye, Joe. Chicken, you get ready. I'm going out to try to hustle the 50 bucks. But, Al, you got your unemployment check today. What are you doing back? Pete, I'm in a spot. Could I have an advance against the next two weeks? <laughs> Promise you I won't get a job. Look, that's against regulations. It can't be done. But this might help you. I'm entertaining a big shot with the government. Might get you a good job. Please, Al, don't bother me. I've got my own troubles. I've got a date with a new girl tonight, and I've got to raise ten bucks to get my suit out of hock. <laughs> yeah. I was in a worse hole. But luckily, she's got a girlfriend whose chump boyfriend is picking up the dinner tab. Yeah, you're a fine pal. But I'll fix you... This year, I vote Republican, and next year, you'll be in this line right in back of me. Well, Al, I'm all dressed and ready to go out. Are we going to a ritzy restaurant? With my present resources, chicken, I hope Jane's boyfriend's a vegetarian. <laughs> Why? Looks like we're going to chew grass in the park. Al, Jane will be embarrassed because this is her first date And he's such an important man and everything uh, Come in It's only us again, Kropotkin and O'Reilly Oh, hello uh, Mrs. O'Reilly and I would like for you to do us a favor tonight, please We are going out and we wonder if you'll take any messages that come for us Be glad to, Professor, but you've got to do me a favor, huh? It's a matter of life or death Could you lend me 50? Sure, can you break a dollar? <laughs> No, 50 bucks. Al, if I had 50 bucks, do you think I would be going around with a certain party so she won't throw me out because I can't pay the rent? Oh, Professor, you and your jokes. <laughs> Al, since you're Irma's... Al, since you're Irma's boyfriend and I'm in such a good mood tonight, I'll lend you the $50. Gee, thanks. 
If I thought I'd get it back. <laughs> oh, I'll be good for it. Very well. Now, if you gentlemen turn your backs, I'll take it out of the vault. <laughs> now, don't peek, Professor. Send me stuck in. <laughs> How do you like that? And to think I've been wasting time holding hands with her. <laughs> Come on, Mrs. O'Reilly. Now we can go dancing. Before, I was ashamed to take you. Before, it looked like you had three knees. <laughs> goodbye and good luck. You. Thanks again, Mrs. O'Reilly. Consider this only a temporary loan. Okay, chicken, now we're in business. And since we're going out with such an important man, you take this money and go down and buy yourself an orchid. myself are waiting for Peter Guilford to come over for cocktails. Irma's dressed for the occasion. She's wearing a sweater with her initials, an I and a P, embroidered on it. And knowing that Peter is a government man, Irma wants to show him she's impartial, so she's embroidered two more letters in front of her initials. D for Democrat and an R for Republican. Of course, the fact that it comes out drip doesn't seem to bother at all. <laughs> Honey? Yes, Jane? You know, I can't understand why Peter's late. Well, he better show up. I've already invested ten bucks for a chicken's orchid. He's got to be a very big man for me to get my money back. Now, don't worry, Alan. Just don't embarrass me, please. Well, I guess I'll go in the kitchen and fix the hors d'oeuvres. Chicken, just got an idea. What, Al? When this Peter gets here, it won't be right for me to blow my own horn. So I think I'll go into the bathroom, and that'll give you a chance to tell him all about me. Well, Al, what shall I say? Well, uh... Tell him I'm now retired, but will make myself available because I know the government wants men to take charge of various projects in all 48 states. The projects in all 48 states? Yes, I'll remember. Uh, oh, that must be him now. Let him in. I'll be in the bathroom. Come in, Mr. Guilford. Oh, good evening. You must be Jane's roommate. Yes, that's me. Uh, my initials are on my sweater. Uh, just the second half. Uh, won't you sit down so we, so we can chat about my boyfriend? Uh, what about him? Uh, he's been engaged in various projects, and he's wanted in all 48 states. <laughs> what? Irma, honey, would you get the ice and the... Oh, hello, Peter. Oh, hello, Jane. Your, your roommate has been trying to tell me something, but I... know. I... We'll, we'll have a drink. Irma's easier to take that uh. way. Uh, uh, Al? Al, come on out. I want you to meet someone. Come in. Al, this is... Al! Pete! <laughs> Holy mackerel. Jane, is this the big shot government man? Why, yes. <coughs> Chicken, you know your orchid? Yes. Put it in the icebox. We're going to have to eat it all week. <laughs> and found that Irma had made a little black jacket which she'd put on our bar of swan soap. So I said, Irma, honey, what's the idea of that? And Irma said, Well, Jane, if a penguin can wear a tuxedo, so can our swan. <laughs> well, that's Irma, keeping her eye on her swan soap. 
And no wonder, because Irma knows that Swan is the perfect soap for dishes. And you know, ladies, it is. Why, even the way a cake of Swan feels tells you it's a perfect dishwashing soap. Sure, the next time you unwrap a cake of Swan, just feel the cake with your fingertips. Feel how Swan's super-creamed blend makes it differ from other soaps. It feels smoother. And feel those mild Swan suds. They feel richer, creamier. Then you'll know why super-creamed blend protects your hands. Yes, thanks to Swan's super-creamed blend, your hands are left with a soft, smooth, young look. And here's an added note. Those Swan suds rinse away so completely your dishes don't need wiping. A real-time saver. So for a soap that protects your hands, a soap that gets you out of the kitchen in a hurry, you want the soap with the exclusive super-creamed blend, Swan Soap. And I never knew it could be so revolting. Me, Jane Stacy, the girl with all the answers, had to fall for a guy who was only one step ahead of Al. <laughs> so I said, you know, Irma, I've learned my lesson. I'm going to stick with Richard. A bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. That's what Al says. What do you mean, honey? He says, why should he go looking for another chicken when he has a perfectly good cuckoo? <laughs> And for once, Al has come through with a perfect description of my friend, Irma. My Friend Irma, presented by Swan, another fine product of Lever Brothers Company, was produced and directed by Cy Howard. Tonight's script was written by Cy Howard and Park Levy. My Friend Irma stars Marie Wilson as Irma and Kathy Lewis as Jane. The part of Professor Kropotkin was played by Hans Conried. Ladies, listen. The shortage of fats and oils is still very serious, and it's worldwide. So please keep on saving every drop of used kitchen fat. Your butcher will pay you for every pound. Frank Bingman speaking. Tune in next week one hour earlier and listen to the Lux Radio Theater, immediately followed by my friend Irma. This is CBS, where 99 million people gather every week. The Columbia Broadcasting System. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Philip Marlowe, followed by Archie Andrews. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.